All right. So uh, I think we're ready to roll. Nice. So uh, today in the studio, we got uh, we got Ross Hudgens of Siege Media. So what's up, man? Not too much. Thanks Good for having me. So uh, let me give you a quick intro. Uh, you're an impressive character. So Ross Hudgens runs Siege Media. They're literally the only SEO company I recommend. I said this last time, too. That is true. They handle, like, I guess, medium to large companies like Zillow, Shutterfly, Airbnb, Intuit, Casper, ZipRecruiter, and, like, a million more. Check it out on their website. They've been on the Inc. 5000 list for the last four years in a row? Correct. Nice. And uh, the reason I like Ross and Siege Media, he actually does SEO that gets real results for clients uh, and at scale, which is very, very difficult. It's hard enough to do it on your own. Super difficult to do it for multiple clients. And you actually make legit good content. It's not it's not tricks and stuff like that. Thank you. Um, I think you'll have like 110 employees. Yeah, right around there. God dang. Okay. Um, and they're all <laughs> remote now? Yes, I had to make sure everyone was remote. Sorry. Anyways. Okay, because sure. y'all previously had offices in San Diego, New York, Austin, all that Correct. Kind of stuff. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Well, cool. Welcome to the show. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me back. So, uh, so, so the title is the state of SEO. Um, what is the state of SEO? What are you, what are you even seeing? What's going on? And in- yeah, I, f- I feel like SEO has increasingly gone uh, brand and quality focused year over year. Increasingly, it's just so more and more competitive. Such that as more and more brands are kind of like getting adept at search and understanding it's a channel that makes a lot of money. Uh, Google is figuring that out as well. And it's making everything harder for mid-market to smaller sites. So I don't think Google has necessarily changed a ton. Maybe they iteratively have over time. But increasingly, it's these brands realizing they need to be doing search. So there's more of them in the search results. And then also Google just being better at picking up quality signals. So like by nature, brands are quality. And SE wants to reward brands, and brands know that this channel is going to work, and more of them are learning that. So overall, it's just getting harder and harder. I don't think there's, like, some super fancy new sauce out there. Mm-hmm. It's just it's getting more and more competitive every day. I, mean, I started doing SEO at, like, 1999, 2001, <laughs> right? Kind of like the beginning era of the Internet and search engines. And um, I ran a rave company. And I would just, like, say, like, light up golf balls. And just by putting light-up-golfballs.html, which all HTML sites back then, and then a nice title, I was like number one. I, I was king of the world with SEO. Now it's not quite not that easy, right? Now, yeah. No. And is that just because like bigger competitors are moving in? Uh, it's part of it. Google, there was a phase there where Google realized that manipulation and they, they set up processes in place to solve for that. So there were people that you could get a site-wide link that said rave, Austin or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, and you would automatically rank really high. But that was a not naturally occurring activity, so Google could solve for that. So people that bought links or manipulated their way to show Google that I'm a brand, they could figure that out. It's like not – it is rocket science. I mean, I can't figure out that equation, but they effectively figure out the algorithm eventually to understand real signals versus manipulated signals. So that's where we are now. Now it's just everyone doing more and more of those real signals, in my opinion. Uh, So – I also noticed back in the day, like SEO was just, it was a bunch of shady mofos. Uh, we didn't have a great reputation, unfortunately. Maybe we still, ours is just kind of average now, I feel like. <laughs> I don't know. But it was a bunch of shady people. And, and here's the thing. It worked. Like if you, if you, you bought a bunch of spam sites, yeah. all linked them to uh, best wedding shoes or whatever, uh, it worked. Like you tricked the, you tricked the algorithm. Yeah. Did, I don't really see that that often anymore. The shady stuff worked that well, unless there's like a whole underground thing I don't know about. 
I think you're right, especially in competitive markets. The le- less competitive the space is, or maybe newer it is, the fast, the more likely that can occur. I think it's also maybe a little less competitive in some international verticals where people are ranking for things because there's not as many of those big brands that are playing. So if you're Ooh. if you don't have CNN trying to rank for something, and it's just a bunch of five Joes. It's the best of those five Joes, right? So that's sometimes part of the You know, play. I'm kind of piecing it together. I know Neil Patel, who's like a very uh, contentious figure in the SEO community. A little bit. But whatever. Like, I mean, he has a lot of traffic. Results yeah, yeah. speak for themselves, whatever you think of him. Um, I remember he was going really hard on, like, translating into Portuguese or something like that. Yeah. And because he's just like, uh, I guess Brazil has, uh, you know, 100 million he has plus an people. there. Oh. Yeah. So, that's, so, that's so he translates to Portuguese. Mm-hmm. There's not as many uh, companies like ZipRecruiter focusing on the Portuguese uh, Brazilian market. Exactly. And so therefore there's, ah, okay, that's uh, really interesting. So it's part, and that probably helps lift his U.S. side as well. So if he, my thought, I think one of the things that's helping people win now is multiple methods of monetization. So Neil has an agency. He's also making money off affiliate sites. Mm -hmm. He has an agency in Brazil now. So he can monetize in these locations. And the fact that this other thing can be monetized, it kind of lifts the other part as well. So he can make more money by spending $1,000 on this thing than someone else in that same position would spend. They could only make, say, 500 because they're just an agency. If that makes sense? Yeah. So by nature, his economics make it so he can spend all of his money on translating, on buying Uber Suggest, which is a tool that he bought and redirected into his site. Mm-hmm. All those things allow him that economic advantage that he can win with. Well, I think a lot of software companies, too, have done the same thing. So you have, like, TopTal or, or you know, something, for example, and they're a software company that, or someone else, bad, bad example, like Intuit, let's say. Intuit's a software company. They make money off their software, so they can spend a million dollars a month on content marketing, and it totally makes sense for them. For sure. Yeah, you're right. So their economic advantage is their SaaS product probably can convert better. They're more reputable. Allows them to out. I've honestly seen, like, in terms of any competition of mine, it's it's uh, software companies I'm worried about. It's not like yeah. other copywriting companies. It's software companies because they tend to make, like, the best content in, from what I've seen. Uh, in, because they have the most money to invest in it, for uh, sure. And uh, they have high authority, so they they can – I think it's a real challenge, for sure, on your kind of searches. So um, so as a consumer – okay, so as someone myself who goes to Google a million times a day – I've noticed that if I type in uh, how to make an egg, they have their own content up there. So it says step one, get egg, step two, whatever. And it's just like in a little search snippet. Is that, is that what it's called? Yes, quick answer, featured snippet, however exactly. you want to call it. As a person that uses Google all the time, I love this. Like I, all I want to do is my brain to know how to make an egg because I got an egg in my hand in a pan and I don't know what to do. So I'm trying to find the answer the quickest. I do not want to watch a 20-minute video about how to make an egg at this moment. Right. Maybe later when I'm bored. <laughs> but I really love it. But but I, I hear a lot of people in the SEO community complaining about it a lot because like your job is like I want to go how Google how to make an egg be the first result and then show people ads or get them to sign up for whatever. But now Google's kind of taking that content and kind of putting it right up there for their own benefit. Yes, they are. So as a consumer, I love it. What's the what's the thought in the SEO community about these snippets getting smarter and smarter and better and better? Uh, we're not excited about it for sure, but <laughs> it's also you you play the, the hand you're dealt. So actually one of our big processes is solving to get in those. So for people doing content marketing, it's very often a simplistic structure for your site. So if you're doing how to make an egg, you would want to have that be your H1 and then step one, crack the egg, 
in in H2, and then the step, the next step in H2 as well, make it easy for Google to pull that out. It's kind of one of the things we now optimize for that just a kind of soft approach. People don't think about simplistic structure for their posts, but that's how a robot interprets it. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to solve for that to get into that because it's it's the finite click through rate we have. So we might as well we. We're, we're trying to get our clients success, so we have to do that. But the good news is they have been encroached on. The FTC, I believe, was uh, – the, For snippets? For taking traffic from people. There's oh. anti-monopolistic – I'm not huge on this, but still pay attention to it. Uh, behavior against them for things like that, taking traffic from publishers. I know it's one thing Ahrefs is actually trying to do is they're going to have a, their own search engine, which will pay publishers for traffic for showing those things, which is a cool way of hopefully doing the opposite version of what uh, Google is doing in that situation. That's uh, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted about it because I, I kind of love them as a, it's good for users. So I can, yeah. you can't hate on that. You should, and I think one of the, another things too is you understand what search results you're actually going to get click through rate on Ahrefs, whose shirt you're wearing. Mm-hmm. They have a tool that actually yeah. tell you the click through rate by search. So that's a new factor we added now too. Is we we look at what is the click through rate for this? Because even if the search volume's ten thousand, if the if this if it's a definitional search, like what is copywriting? Mm-hmm. It's possible only thirty percent click. So we would rather rank for probably complex how tos in a cybersecurity vertical because no matter what, they're going to have to click because mm-hmm. you can't get that in a just a snippet if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, I guess we'll talk about it in the in. The- in the next yeah, yeah, uh, in yeah, the yeah, next definitely. segment, but like there is like this compression of information that like okay, I do watch twenty minute videos on how to make an egg because it's like, kind of fun. Yeah, but then also right. like I want to know right now because I got my apron on and I'm uh, trying to make an egg. I right. need that information super fast. Yeah. So I do appreciate Google doing that. I didn't know there's FTC lawsuits over it. That's crazy. So okay, with all that said, um, your current SEO strategy uh, for companies and yourself like has it changed? Is it the same? Like, yeah, we. We've evolved our strategy. I think more and more today we're doing a few things. One is we're generally going more up market. I think not just because – What does up market mean? Like enterprise companies, so Fortune like, 500. Got it, big-ass companies. Yes, okay. exactly. Yeah. And part of the reason for that is that's who I see winning long-term. So we want to – it's not that I don't want to help small and medium-sized businesses. It's we're in the business of helping people actually get ROI. And increasingly Google is just showing that if you're not one of those – that sector, you're not going to win. So one of the things we were doing in relation to that is passive link acquisition. So a lot of people are doing shady off-page link building. And what we're trying to do increasingly is build link building engines for clients where they rank for something or several things, and they will organically acquire links. Like, are, are you talking about – wait, sorry. Passive link acquisition, you're talking about like a generator or a calculator that just gets links by the nature of its – That's a good, good example of it, yes. Okay. What are other examples of passive links? So their trends posts will often be something bloggers and reporters, maybe Google, and then cite. Um, the cost to remodel your kitchen is one where people look for that specific data point. It's often a single data point that someone's referencing. Mm. That's also a search that you would see in a quick answer. A person would grab that, but it can also be something very high fidelity, like a calculator that just gets linked to. It's kind of the, we describe it as the ratio of searches to how often it gets linked to. Hmm. Statistics posts are an obvious one where people are like citing data points uh, and trends. So it could be like copywriting trends or copywriting statistics as as reference points. Oh, interesting. I've never heard that searches over links. That's an interesting formula. 
of the play. Yeah, the, the, it's, there's some that are pretty obvious, but that will hopefully help you find low um, difficulty things. Because it's obvious to search for a blank calculator. Most of that's going to show up to everybody. Mm-hmm. And you might still get passive links, but it'll be harder to find. But the low search volume ones that get linked to a ton, that's where the, the, the gold is at the end of the rainbow. And anything you kind of hate about the SEO industry or love or any like stuff like that going on? Uh, I don't know if this is just unique to our industry, but there are a lot of negative people in our industry, I find. Like a lot of <laughs> haters. There's a lot of... Uh, why? Why do people hate in the SEO industry? I don't know. Maybe it's just the nature of Twitter generally. Do you think it's just nature of Twitter generally? Yeah, I guess so. There's always like some degree of hate. But there, there, there might be a degree of what we talked about with Google is like it breeds kind of negativity when you're getting crushed by Google on kind of a cycle. Yeah. These traffic updates are depressing. Man, I, okay, I'm on both sides of it because one, like I do create content and like if I don't get a click because Google gets it, like I'd rather have it, of course. At the same time... How much do I pay for my search engine results? Oh, yeah, $0. Do I have to do it? No. Does Google have to give me – do they owe me something? No. It's just like you got to play the game. So it's kind of like it's like people hate on Facebook, but it's like, oh, sorry that Mark Zuckerberg put out a completely free worldwide interconnected node network for you to use and get a bunch of traffic and share with your friends and get updates from them. It's like you don't have to be on it. You don't have to do it. They don't have to do it. You're not paying for it. So – I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of like ambivalent about it. Like I would like it if I got a bunch of free traffic for no reason, but like I understand like it's a competitive market. You got to got to do it. Agreed. Also, search traffic is still by far the number one most desired type of traffic. Um I think so. It's just like month after month if like if I don't post for months on my site, I still get all that traffic. It doesn't go away. Whereas if I don't post on Twitter for 4 days, I get zero views. Right. <laughs> you don't have to be on the treadmill. Yeah, yeah. It's, there's a reason it's the number one channel for so many people. Yeah. For so sure. if I look up your site on Ahrefs or something like that, mm-hmm. shout out to Ahrefs. I'm wearing the t-shirt. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> um, they uh, uh, like you have like something like thirty thousand dollars worth of free traffic a month just coming to your your stuff. That's that's a lot of yeah yeah. It's a lot of free traffic for sure. That's pretty awesome. It has to be yeah. So no, I don't know. I don't know why people are so bitter sometimes. They just got to understand. Yeah, that. I mean, I when you have it all wiped away, it can. You, people do feel entitled to it, but most of the time, when you dig in, these people didn't deserve it compared to the alternative. As you mentioned, the, the better example of how to make an egg is now ranking number one. Well, let me let me let me jump around for a second and go to the story of copywriting course with two Ks to copywriting course with two Cs. <laughs> so speaking of getting wiped away. Um, Sometime last year, I acquired the, the so we had copywritingcourse.com with K's, how we always spelt it. It was kind of a joke, and I always said like copywriting is like rearranging words and stuff like that, and copywriting with K's was rearranging words, uh, uh, different types of media, so images, videos, to convey information. It, it's not just words. Sometimes a picture is better at conveying things than just words. And so uh, the real reason I made it copywriting course with K's was uh, I couldn't get the domain at the time, okay? <laughs> that, that, that was the reason. And so I thought it'd be funny to just make it K's. Uh, things have happened in the world where uh, the abbreviation KK, and especially because we have a big community, we call it the Copywriting Course Community, uh, spells an acronym that people don't like. And <laughs> I don't know, this is a pure coincidence. And so companies would be like, yo, this is kind of a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and so I acquired the domain uh, Copywriting Course with C's. Uh, and I, I think I paid $13,500 for it or something like that. A really nice lady sold it to me. But the thing was, she was using it for an affiliate site. And it was like just redirecting stuff. So it was like copywritingcourse.com slash whatever product. And they were of whatever reputation products. 
Anyways, there was a bunch of links to it. It actually had like a, a pretty good domain rank already, not as good as ours, but maybe half that. So it was pretty good. So we switched everything over and we started getting some of our traffic back because we were getting uh, roughly 400,000 visits a month uh, before and it just dropped massively and we expected that for a few weeks. But then it never came back. So like month two, month three, we're kind of like, uh, okay, what's, what's going on over here? So anyway, we start to get really worried. By month eight, we're just like, okay, there's something really, really wrong here. So we talked to everyone. We, we paid some high-end people to look at it. And they actually kind of discovered a small flaw in Google, um, which, okay. was, which was very interesting. They're just like, wow, I don't think we've ever seen this. But anyways, what we ended up doing, long story short, what we ended up doing was disavowing all the links that came to that website before us. And there were some good ones, some really high-quality links that we kind of wanted. And we're like, we're just going to get rid of all of them. Sure enough, our traffic came back. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So now we're starting to climb again, and we got our rankings back literally like the next week, and every week it just started going higher and higher. Not back to its so original level. Likely pen- the site had no traffic and was... It looked... So there was a lot of like, especially when you look at some of the bad sites, like there's some real crazy words and stuff it was ranking for, yeah. like all the sex stuff, mm-hmm. porn stuff, it, like in an insane way. It was kind of disgusting to look at, it, actually. <laughs> just like the worst site of the internet. We're linking to the site for whatever reason. Okay. So it's a disavow all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, for a while I was a little kind of like fucking Google, like, uh, uh, God yeah, damn Google. Google. <laughs> uh, they don't, they don't know what they're doing, blah, blah, blah. We're telling them in webmaster tools, like this is, this is us. We are the legit site and everything like that. So I was bitter, not bitter, but uh, yeah, kind of bitter for like a bit. And then I got it back and I was like, I love Google again. Why are people so mad at them? It's kind of funny. Yeah. It's a, it's a cycle. Yeah. Have you seen people do site changes and just like lose all their traffic ever? Yeah, it definitely can happen if you do not all, but a huge dampening for sure for situations you just mentioned. Like you have a penalized site, you redirect it over. That doesn't go swimmingly. It just has to be so perfect. Well, let me share something interesting I learned, though. Um, so we have a lot of uh, sites that, or pages that get a lot of traffic. Um, but don't necessarily get a lot of conversion. And they were kind of like fun calculate. Like I made like a roast generator and stuff like that. So it was like it was for fun. It was for fun. It ended up getting a lot of traffic. And the thing was, we noticed like that traffic like doesn't convert at all. I'm talking like tens of thousands of pages a week or so, visits a week, like doesn't convert one bit. That's the ironic thing about so many sites. I think we look at our competitors, see their highest traffic site pages, and we do those first, uh-huh. and then they almost never convert. <laughs> yeah, it's the same for us. Like, I our traffic has been dwindling on search right now, and our revenue is going pretty, doing pretty well. And there's oh, no correlation at all because we rank for like most popular keywords that just some random person is searching. Like mm-hmm. what is the most searched keywords on Google? We lost that traffic. Mm-hmm. How to find someone's email address is kind of like someone trying to find their long lost lover. That's not someone who wants content marketing 98% of the time. And those are our two biggest terms. And most of the time when it's high traffic, there's a reason it's high traffic because especially in B2B verticals, mm-hmm. it's not qualified. Not every vertical, but if it's uh, in B2B verticals, very often you want the low traffic terms. Yeah, that's interesting. Like we lost all the traffic and I was associated our site. I was proud of that. We had like, you know, we, we actually have to have a, like, on WP Engine or host. Mm-hmm. They forced us to go to an enterprise level uh, thing because we have so many traffic between our two sites, swipe file and copyright course. And it, it was kind of like, it sucks because I have to pay a lot more money, but it was kind of like, and it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like they were kicking us off the basic servers because right. they were like, dude, <laughs> come on, you're way too much traffic. Um, so I, I equated that, and then our traffic dropped by pff, 99 or 98% or something, at least the ser- organic search did. And 
our revenue still went up. I was like, huh, what exactly is all that <laughs> traffic worth for a little bit? Now, it does, it does help with signups. I didn't notice signups go down by half. Um, what it I could wouldn't, be long-term top funnel that you're not going to measure right away. So. Yeah. Also, I think like if you're in a content uh, business, mm-hmm. like having traffic is like a little bit of a sign of like, like I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't hurt. I was hesitant to talk about SEO during that time because, like, if someone looked at our Ahrefs, they're like, "Well, this guy gets yeah. 400 Yeah, I mean, people can look month. at our Ahrefs right now. It's actually not good at all, but really? I what? don't care at all because doesn't matter. We kind of went that we were like, our audience is enterprise customers. They're not searching even basic content marketing terms. Mm-hmm. That's not a director of content marketing is not searching what is link building. You yeah. know what link building is. So, like, why? And to the point previously. In certain markets, you just can't win. It's kind of ironic that us as a content marketing agency, I'm pretty confident we could win for a lot of terms, but we're up against Ahrefs, mm-hmm. who has much more incentive to rank for those things, and more of that audience is qualified. They can monetize more directly for that term than we can for mm-hmm. a bigger part of the audience. It's just very expensive to rank for those things. Um, so let's let's talk about the basics of SEO. Um, I think I've asked you about this before, but it's, it's still like – it's kind of just like make good content and get a lot of links and attention to it, right? Is that like the basic formula? Yes, and be qualified for the topic and search. The, like the keyword you're trying to rank for has to be a good result for that thing, like how to make an egg. Mm-hmm. Is it structured correctly for that? And does it get a lot of links? It, it matches user experience. Then you can rank. Got it. Sense. So how much of SEO is still just getting links? Uh, it's, a, it's a big percentage. Are we talking like 90%? I think it's good white hat is a huge part of that for sure. White hat links. You can't get bad links and still rank. So that could be the people could misinterpret what you say and then go get a lot of crappy links and think they can rank. Oh, got it. So don't go on Fiverr and buy like yeah. 10,000 links if for $5. If you can $5. actually engineer a real website to generate a lot of links, yes, that's a quality ranking factor. Got it. Okay. So you want to link from a high ranking thing. Okay. Yes. Of course. It, it just seems like from the day that the page rank, uh, white paper came out from Google, it's the exact same algorithm. Almost. Okay. I, I know they do a lot of small little things. They, they have a lot of fancy ways that they, uh, get rid of spam and stuff like that. But ultimately, it seems like if you get the most amount of top ranking links, high ranking links to a piece of content, you'll be number one in the search engine. I think it's a mathematical certainty, right? Yes. Uh, no, no. You could be, it depends on the key, like one page can rank for a ton of different keywords. Mm -hmm. So if one is a slight, if they match the user intent for one set of that term, one term, and the other one does not, it's very possible a lower, uh, less link to page can rank higher based on the signals of, say, a million people search how to crack an egg or how to Mm -hmm. make an egg. If a lot of people are bouncing or not clicking that highly linked to asset, it'll get re-ranked by Google. Hmm. If that makes sense. So the user experience signals based on bouncing back to the search result, or maybe you search it again because that first one didn't give you the right ratio of salt and pepper. I don't know. Where do you find out about these things? Is it just like Twitter or like following people or? Uh, it's definitely good to follow a lot of people that are SEOs if you're interested in SEO and, and content marketers as well. But in my general recommendation, and I think this is good marketing is pattern matching. As you search things a lot, you look at the factors of what's ranking well, you try to do some analysis of what doesn't rank well against that and why. That's kind of how you come to the assumption of this is how something is in the featured snippet and this how 
It's like, what is the com the factors that are co-occurring on all these pages that you search? It's the structure of the page. It's the links. If you combine those elements, then you learn just through kind of repetition. Uh, so this is, I, I'm asking this selfishly, but I'm sure other people, uh, content that gets ranked, uh, like let's say like listicles, there's like calculators, generators, long form articles. Um, is there any of those that specifically that do better or that you go for more or just, just depends? Uh, I would say kind of going full circle here. It's user intent should tell you that. So search mm. something. And then what the search result is telling you is what you should do. So if you search how, how to make an egg, which is a common thing we've been searching, you're going to see video of that. You need to have video to rank for that term because Google's showing videos on the search results. But if you search something like flower quotes, you'll see a ton of images from like Pinterest on there. Mm. So you need visual images that are quotes as well as actual words in order to rank for flower quotes because the search engine result page it's telling you that. So in terms of actually generating links and interest, listicles do very well, yes, on average. Mm -hmm. So that's good. People like listicles. They like structure. That goes back to that quick answer. Best thing. things to do in Austin, that's going to be a listicle, right? Yes, for sure. So you'll see, you'll search that and you'll see like 15, 20, 25, and that'll be an indication that you should also make a listicle. How to cook an egg is going to be a video, I assume. Could be mixed. So it'll probably be mixed intent where you'll see videos, but you could all, people will also want that written version because I don't necessarily want the video, but some users will. So to best solve for that, you'd ideally have every kind of mixed media format that Google is telling you people want. So video, images, words for that video specific. So you kind of have to have like, like, like you have to do video, you have to do everything now. Before it used to be you just make one page, but now it seems like you got to do Everything. Omni-channel marketing, I guess it's called. Something like uh, that. It depends on the vertical, for sure. Like, if you're in recipes, yes, you need to do video. If you're in B2B copywriting, I mean, I think it's good for you for thought leadership, but to actually rank for stuff, mm -hmm. I don't know it's as often needed. Hmm. Um, Let's talk about that. Um, so, with social media, I, it, social media used to, I know it, like, for the longest time, didn't rank at all in search engines. It still doesn't which I'm kind of confused by. I don't know why they haven't Sometimes done it. on news searches, I think they bring in Twitter, but that's about they it. They do bring in tweets. Yeah, you're right for that. I mean, like if something, like if I hear an explosion or something, like I'm going straight to Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's where you go. Like you're not, you're not looking for an old link on Google. I'm always surprised that they haven't like done something to that effect. But um, I've seen this whole crop of creators kind of like thrive off social media and they have little to none SEO, like, like they have, you look at their AHFs and it's dismal. You're like, this person's not a competitor, but on Twitter or some other channel, they might be huge. Um, now that's a huge shift from like 10 years ago. So, you know, a huge shift for 10 years ago, like, you know, Ramit Sethi's blog was popular. You could tell like if he had a lot of traffic, he was probably big. Now some of these sites kind of confuse me because I'm like, they have no traffic, very few links, but on social, they're huge. Um, is, is this like something that's happening that you're seeing more and more? I'm certainly seeing it. Yes, for it's completely. I used to recommend to our team early in Siege, like build your own personal website. Now I can't recommend that. And for like personal branding reasons, you can do that so easily without having a website on LinkedIn, Twitter, etc. <laughs> if you're trying to build a website from scratch, I don't know if the route is going to rank on search. 
I don't think the route is to just start doing that. It's probably to do what you mentioned is build a brand first. Mm -hmm. Like I think of Mr. Beast or something. Mm -hmm. He probably could now build this really powerful SEO thing if he cared enough to do that simply because of the brand he's built on this other site. But if he'd gone search first and then tried to go that other direction, most of the time it doesn't work. So I would try to build a brand and then leverage that brand to rank on search. If you're going the other direction, you're probably like thinking about search a little too directly and you ironically won't rank on search because mm -hmm. you won't build a brand. You need the brand to rank on search. That am I? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just remember like, like back in the day, you would build a blog and it would take years of writing yeah. and then maybe you could sort of connect to people, random people would find you. Whereas you can have one follower on Twitter and start connecting with Elon Musk if you want. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like a the way more. Changed. Yeah. It's just different. Also, I look at Twitter. It's like, it's not different than a blog. Okay, what do you do on a blog? Like, you go on some platform, you type something, and it posts on a website. Well, I mean, that's what Twitter does, right? It just does it for you. Um, and it's then, a form now. Yeah, and then, and then I remember, like, the, the, the gold standard of, like, a post to see if it was popular it used to be, like, comments, right? Yeah. Well, now you can just, like, <laughs> directly comment on someone's post. So it's, like, it's the same thing, but it's just a little micro blog that's just, uh, you know, to be frank, it's better. Yeah, and, and LinkedIn it, almost allows you to go lo as long form as a normal blog post would go. And I guess there's medium to some degree, although I've never found that to be super social. Whereas like fa Facebook is, LinkedIn is, Twitter is. Yeah. So it's almost like if you want to build a personal brand, just start with a social media thing. Then once you get big, start the personal website maybe or some sort of website off that. It, the, I think a common recommendation is to con build a list. Like that's one route mm. as well. So use social to build a list and then it could go towards building a website as well. That's so that's point. the variable I would maybe add to that. Uh, I still, do you still see like email being the big granddaddy of everything? I'm not an email marketer. I mean, isn't it huge for, for you specifically? Yeah. 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 I Every mean, company. if you talk about two own channel, like email is the really thing we can get, hopefully guarantee is pretty owned uh, that that can't be taken away from us despite Google doing the promotions tab. Like it's going to be ours. So that's one reason people invest in it so heavily. I mean, every big company I've been part of or something, let's say like some like talk about like AppSumo or something like that. It's when it was like a hundred thousand subscribers, you're just like, okay, we'll make this much money off these hundred thousand subscribers. It's like, well, what if we get to 200,000 subscribers? It's like you double your money. So it's just like, okay, let's just grow the email list. That, that's what it seems. We're actually thinking of doing something like that right now. Mm -hmm. We're trying to figure out like the one metric that brings all boats up. And it sounds like it's, I wish it was a different one. I wish it was, <laughs> I wish it was like grow my YouTube bigger. It's not. It's the email list size. It's just that simple. It seems. Yeah. But that's how Brian Dean back Linko grew as well. Like he did so much manual link building and then suddenly his list size got so large because he invested so much in that, mm -hmm. that he, I think he, that was one reason he stopped needing to do it. Cause he just hit publish. People saw his content and he didn't even, he doesn't even really care about Twitter, even though he has a big audience there because uh -huh. his list is like, it's just multiple, many multiples more click through rate. On. It, it kind of reminds me of something recently I saw with like political stuff, like Andrew Yang for like the governor of New York or whatever. He's like 2 million followers. So people thought because everyone else had like 10,000 followers, the other candidates, but it was like other people that just took totally beat him. And one of the guys had a great quote and he was just like, people, uh, social media doesn't vote people with social security vote. And I remember thinking like most people would look at like Andrew Yang's giant 
Twitter list and be like, he's clearly going to win, but they're totally missing the forest for the trees, whatever that, yeah, that, it's that what, quote is. where the audience, the, yeah. Yeah, the buyer was, persona is. It's I, like this, it's like, <clears throat> do you have a big email list? You're probably going to win. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of what. Well, most people are on email in some form, no matter the audience. Well, that that was the, that was a saving grace. That's when, it, like, I mean, because I don't think email gets enough love, especially nowadays, because there's other more like fancy uh, platform, you know, TikTok, whatever the hot new thing is. But when we lost, went from four hundred something thousand visits, you know, a month to four hundred. Mm. And we still grew larger. I was like, oh, it's because of the email list. <laughs> it's literally because of the email list. That yeah. is my distribution platform. Like, I don't make a lot of sales off Twitter or anything, uh, but I make them all on the email list. There's so much power to just like resetting your mind from a uh, vanity point of view around traffic boring. and lead. Like, <laughs> we were even looking at our lead numbers, and I was just vanity trying to increase that. And I'm like, only like one tenth of these are even qualified. So, why am I caring about this? Um, but so many people do. Cool. Um, let's talk to the more technical stuff. Uh, tools for SEO. Um, what SEO tools do you personally use? I mean, I got on a, a Ahrefs shirt. I use Ahrefs all the time. Yes, that's um, huge. Super excited about their uh, their their search engine, and that's not necessarily a plug. I am like genuinely excited. <laughs> this is not an dude, What other search engine is there right now? Like Duck, okay, Duck, you got DuckDuckGo, uh, but there's nothing that really. Uh, I haven't used it all that much, but I am excited that Ahrefs has all this linked data and they're doing something with it. Because I have noticed the quality of results on Google kind of get a little bit annoying sometimes. Sometimes I'll search stuff and I'm like seeing like 19 ads and I'm like, is that on copywriting searches? Uh, no, no, <laughs> not all copywriting searches. Um, just anything. Yeah. I've I found for the first time uh, at starting about a year or two ago that I started looking at the Google search results and being like, okay, you're starting to get a little bit tricky. Um, I don't know if you ever use like Alibaba or any of the the Chinese search engines. I haven't, not that much. Um, but, but they they they're open about it, so <laughs> fine. Like they're open that like yeah, the first couple of results are sponsored, and we don't tell you that they're ads. Like they're they're just totally transparent about that. But with Google, I always thought like you know they used to have like their ads on the side in green, so you knew it was an ad. I like that, but now they're starting to kind of disguise it a little bit more, and they turn the ad button from blue to black, so you don't For really sure. see it. Um, I'm kind of excited about their search engines. So, all right, what other SEO tools are, are you using out there besides Ahrefs? Uh, we use Hunter.io for email finding. That's re- is really good UX uh, for our team. We like that a lot. Um, Buzzstream is our outreach tool where we manage our entire relationship database. So Ahrefs is a big one. We do use. Wait, what does Buzzstream do? Uh, it's a relationship database. It will also. It's basically we can send emails as a team and then see Joe has already contacted this person, so we don't pitch them and spam them. Ah, got it. They, and we can see their relationship status and see we contacted them six months ago. They were happy, therefore they're probably more likely to receive our pitch. If you're doing outreach at any kind of scale, Buzzstream is great. Uh, Pitchbox is another one as well. Have been looking at the. Uh, GPT three two uh, GPT three tools mm-hmm. haven't found a great supplement for our work specifically. I can see a few use cases, but it just hasn't. I just we're trying to write for enterprise clients, uh, so it's kind of it just hasn't stuck there yet. Oh, uh, it's pretty. So I've I'm a I, I love that kind of stuff. So GPT three for people who aren't familiar is a language learning model that OpenAI. Made. So basically they scour a big portion of the internet. It reads all of Wikipedia 
And the larger you make these models, the more it learns. And so now you can say, like, how do you cook an egg? And it'll spit out the answer. It, yeah. it knows it. It just reads so much. And so it's getting pretty good, and it gets better every year, which is kind of wild to think about that incremental improvement. And um, the whiz-bang factor on some of these services is really high. So, like, I use Copy AI personally. There's, like, Conversion AI. There's a bunch of them. Um, they all use GPT-3 as their underlying mm-hmm. technology. And now every single – so Amazon, uh, Azure, Microsoft's thing, they're all making their own version of these natural language learning things. And the cool thing is, at first you say, like, write me a blog post about copywriting. And it'll just do it. And it's, it's really amazing because people are just like, holy crap, like, that's a computer doing that? But then in the real world, there's actually more limited applications for it. So I've noticed is for making a blog post, like you actually don't want just a long blog post nowadays. A blog post about like how to do copywriting is not that interesting, a general one. It's more like I became a copywriter and made a bazillion dollars. Here's how I did it in four weeks. That's a more interesting story. So it can't do that stuff for you, um, but it can write you a long article, which is kind of neat. Yeah, there's potentially some shortcut applications, and that's kind of where we've been sort of thinking about it for sure. Like can it help with – Speeding up research, I feel like that's been commonly brought up. You know what I use it for? Idea generation. Okay. So let's say I'm lazy, haven't had the caffeine in the morning, and um, I'm trying to come up with a bunch of headlines or something, and I'm like, uh, I can't think of anything. I throw it in like copy AI or something like that, and it comes out okay. with a bunch. You know, half of them suck, but half of them are pretty good. And so I'm like, ooh, I like that, and I'm going to put that one compared with that. Damn, done. Nice. So that's where I've uh, found it to be really good. Also, product descriptions for products. If you have some, uh, a store that sells 10,000 SKUs, and um, you need product descriptions for each. It's really good for that. that. That's the situation on search that I think it has some value where you have like 9 million city pages, say. Mm-hmm. You Realistically, the marginal value of a human writing all those is pretty low. Or at least like having the human write it like Shakespeare. Like having this as kind of a shortcut that maybe a human still edits mm-hmm. probably is a pretty solid application of that tool. But if, if you're trying to rank for how to make an egg – and there's been millions of those posts made, the marginal value of being better than all of those other ones, it's not just getting the post, it's making it the best. And that's kind of where I have a little issue leaving, giving, uh, handing the keys over to that tool today. But I'm definitely worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be something big, but it's, <clears throat> it's going to like slowly like, like build. Um, random question. How long does it typically take to rank something now? Um, it used to be like I'd be able to rank pretty quick on stuff, and now it's a, it's a bit of a harder endeavor. From the time that someone says, I want to rank for best fake plants, how long does it take you to rank generally? That might have something to do with the encroachment of the brands there. So it depends on how many high-authority brands are in the space. Uh-huh. So we are lucky to have some high-authority brands as clients. They can rank in three to five months, page one for something, maybe faster. Sometimes you'll pop for a second and fall off and come back just from like a freshness signal. I think it's reasonable. Like we have a client who's not number one in authority. We typically tell them four to six months could take you to rank, see momentum and then hockey stick six months plus. If you're a startup that's like 20 to 30 DR points away from the people doing best, normally would say more like, You'll start seeing momentum at six, and then it'll start pacing and building towards 12, really. Damn. 
So it takes that, a long time, but that's why people don't do search. <laughs> that is a long time. Yeah. Or, or the people that have the money and patience to do it. Do yeah. It. It's not so, free. So let's talk about something that like kind of was a – I don't know how much anymore because YouTube's grown quite a bit, but let's talk about video. Um, it used to be that if you're, let's say, you, uh, you know, best fake plants or whatever, you just throw up a video on YouTube, you rank number one like that day. Yeah. Like that was like the ultimate hack. Like just make a video out of all your posts and that would probably rank number one. Now, people have caught on that this thing called YouTube is big, second engine, large search engine, all that <laughs> stuff, right? Um, now, you do some awesome videos on search, and I think we talked about this in our last video. And, like, I can't believe your channel is bigger, and y'all do some pretty, like, impressive interviews and stuff on that. Um, what do you think of video? Is, like that, is that now, like, part of what you do for a post? So if you do, like, the best B2B software list or something like that, do you also do a video for it every time? Or sometimes, or not all the time, or ever? It's really if you see Serpentent for it. So if you Google that search and you see video on the search, you should do video. If, you, if you're not seeing it, you shouldn't do video, in my opinion. You could go to page two, and sometimes you'll see video on page two, which might mean it's a good supplement. And in general, it's not going to hurt, but video is expensive to do and do well especially. So don't think that just adding video, which I think some people do think, you just add video and you start ranking – that's that's not going to warrant it. Um, so I, I would look at the Serpentent to decide whether or not you need video. So I'm assuming, when did you start Siege Media? Uh, going on nine years. Nine years? Okay, so nine years ago, I'm guessing there wasn't a lot of video work being done. Correct. At all? Any? Very little. Very little? Yeah, for sure. Now, what percentage of your clients are using videos for their content? A good percentage. We actually don't do that, that much because it's so important to do locally. Mm. It's, it, it, to do it cost efficiently, you have to do it locally because it's so expensive. Yeah. So we do it mostly as a supplement. A lot of clients will do it. It tends to be more lifestyle. One of the concerns with it is it's hard to attribute it back to revenue. Because mm. you have to go to the site. It's going to create direct brand lift. Mm -hmm. Like for us in B2B, it's pretty obvious to see. I see a lot of attribution of like, Saw your videos, liked them a lot on LinkedIn or YouTube. But for a uh, flower brand, it's kind of harder to connect back. Yeah. And when it, you need some direct attribution, it's harder to invest five figures in a video for that reason. Huh. So what, what's a number you would say for a percentage of clients that do video? Maybe not d directly through you, but maybe on their own or something. Like Maybe 20%. Oh, whoa. People have channels. So, so there's a difference between doing video as a strategy versus as a random one-off tactic. Yeah. I'd say it's probably higher, 50, 60 that are just randomly did a video at some point and they uh -huh. have a channel live. But that's different from like repetition like you're doing right now. Um, to me, that's a, di a different kind and, of model. And I'm assuming for the platforms that they're using, I'm assuming YouTube is primary? Yes, for sure. Like Insta good to Instagram? Stuff I like think that. Re reusing it is important to see the value. It's so like taking this video, cutting it up into clips for YouTube, and then uh, we're, we're doing like a lightning round at the end. I'll do those on YouTube shorts, maybe on You could Twitter. put that on your blog posts. On, yeah. I think that's still smart to get watch time up. You can, mm -hmm. And it does make your posts better, even uh, for sure. Interesting. I mean, one, one interesting conversation I had with a bunch of people is like the clout behind it. So... If you have a lot of followers, it's easy to get somewhere. Like the access goes up. So, for example, I could say we currently have like 60,000 followers or something. So you come here to take your time to do this, uh, other than me being just yeah, like yeah. your <laughs> most best friend in the world. It's just like there's some benefit for you to come here, right? Yes. So I think like as you grow, grow higher, higher, you get easier get bigger and bigger people. 
So, you know, like sure. almost anyone would say yes to a Joe Rogan or something with all his followers because it's like it just makes obvious sense. Right. So I'm seeing like there are like kind of weird benefits that you get from having a larger channel or someone sees your channel and you have a lot of numbers. And I, I know it's a vanity metric or whatever, but it is a way to judge someone. A, yeah. bl- a blue yeah. check mark, uh, 100,000 plus subscribers, whatever. Those are all ways to say like, OK, well, they're not some bum off the street. This is a, a legit person. So I'm trying to – I think, like, social media definitely – like, those are strong indicators that someone is somewhat legit. Maybe not every time. Oh, I, I agree. I, I guess the question is sometimes you can do those things, and sometimes – I see the raw brand building, but at the same time, when you do raw brand building like that, you can also dilute your positioning in some way. Hmm. Like, you can go generalist and go wider. Like, we've thought about that with some of our videos. Like, we could do that, but it's the same thing of, like, ranking for most – what I mentioned, those articles that drive no qualified traffic, mm-hmm. it's it would dilute positioning potentially. And maybe people get confused about what we do or things like that. Like, I don't know how often you, if you go general with these interviews, will you get less copywriting? I'm not sure. I don't think so necessarily, but that's just one thing to consider anytime someone goes broad. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's like a balance, especially with like uh, these these podcasts and videos and stuff. It's just like... I love talking about content and everything, but it's not my whole life, right? Yeah. There's, there's other stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so I think the general thing is kind of like, I don't know if there's a ratio, but I heard this somewhere. I'm just totally making it. It was like you make three videos for you know the company and then one for yourself or something along those lines. And people, that probably makes you more interesting. So that's, that is a good, I would agree that creating some kind of ratio of focus and then bounce out will actually make you perform even better. Yeah. My personal podcast hero is Lex Friedman. I'm loving him recently. Lex is awesome. I'm just glad like there's humans like him on the planet. And, um, I think he always like focuses on, he talks about like love and he's a very positive and thing is a dystopian future. It's always like a positive spin on it. Right. Even though he's like a, you know, dystopian kind of Russian guy, (laughs) but like, he's kind of like the one I'd like to model. I listen to Joe Rogan and stuff a lot, but I think his is like a different, skill set than I have. Whereas Lex, I admire him because he started the artificial intelligence podcast. He was an artificial intelligence professor at MIT, but then he was just like, I don't only want to talk about this. Like there's more that I like than just this. And so he changed it to the Lex Friedman podcast, which to most of us, we probably would have followed it either way. Like it doesn't really matter, but he was just like, that was a a signal that like, I'm going to talk about other stuff like jujitsu, blah, blah, whatever he's interested in. How long ago did he do that? Um, I think it was about two years ago. I'm totally not I getting that started, right, but it was. He came into my thoroughfare or my mind like last four months or so. I hadn't heard of him and then probably saw exactly that. He was I, just a name plus interesting people I like listening to. He started off with artificial yeah. intelligence. That's what he's and, known and for. And I started yeah. listening to it and I'm, I love it now. And I and like I totally just like I don't know if it's like em, emulation is the best form of flattery. I totally just like everything I'm doing with this. I 100% just copy Lex Freeman. I'm sure he probably also copied <laughs> it from Joe Rogan or whatever. But I look at his channel and whatever he does, I do. You're so, not wearing a tie though. I know, I can't do the same clothes every day, Lex. That's too much. No, but I, I completely, 100% blatantly am just ripping him off. That's it. Um, so, I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool how he, he changed that. So, this was originally just about like only content stuff. And I don't think I'm going to go as broad as he does. But at the same time, I was just like, that is inspiring that he has other things on there than just like artificial intelligence again. Like, that's the same yeah, thing. Yeah. That sounds just like boring, do week after week. Oh, for sure. And that, that's. It's, everyone is more complex than that. If, it, if this is just you, that makes sense. And that's one thing I thought about my channel. It's like if I had a Ross Hudgens channel, I think that would be bigger. 
Like you have, is, is this Neville Medora is your YouTube channel? Or is it it's kind of all over the place. It's like copyrighted. We're yeah. still figuring it out. Yeah. It's, like, it's like people want to subscribe fun. to a person. I yeah. think it helps too. I think social media is social. Part of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I don't, maybe we talked about this last time, but like, I'm sure Siege Media has like a Twitter account, right? Yes. How many followers does it have really? A couple uh, thousand. A couple thousand. Yeah. And how many do you have? 10x. 30,000. Yeah, so yeah. 10x maybe, right? Yeah. You are going to be more interesting than Siege Media. Therefore, yeah, I would it's, think it's, that, that might, I, I think maybe Neville Medora would be more interesting than a copywriting course or something like that. Because people want to follow yeah. like a person, not like this vague brand. For sure. You yeah. still need that company account, but... And there's risk to that if you're like... You know, of course, if you're running the company, that's fine, but for the... Uh, the people interested in the company that might not be as uh, exciting. Yeah, it, it, it's weird. It's just kind of it's kind of shifting, and like there's different examples, different things. But like I think like your personal brand is far more important than it used to be back in the day, especially in B two B. I think, but it can go broader. I mean, I guess Lex yeah. is going B two C. I guess so, yeah. but I, I I just find it like this fascinating morphing kind of evolution. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. It's just kind of like what are other people are doing. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's uh. So the future of SEO, like where do you see this going? Like you've been in this game for a long time. I remember you worked with uh, Sujan Patel, like even before yes. you started uh, Siege Media, one of our other good friends. Um, you've seen the SEO industry change massively. Like where do you see it going? Any trends you're seeing? Or I think it's that just flywheel of getting more and more difficult. Like that's where it's going. We've been investing in, uh, we talked about passive link acquisition a little bit. We're doing more and more UX design recently because it's just what is that quality bar? It's getting higher and higher for clients mm. of what's necessary. Like we won't work with clients unless they have like a good content experience. And sometimes that's kind of a forcing function is to build that for them. Mm -hmm. So it's just going to get more and more competitive, I think, both from the brands that are in the search results. There's it's getting there's less and less examples of prominent brands that haven't at least tried to rank on SEO as the market is super mature, you have to be like, and there are examples of people just not seeing this huge channel that's possible for them. But in it's, we're getting there in a maturity stage where almost everyone is there. And that's why a lot of those medium sized companies are getting blanked out. Hmm. So it's a quality play. You basically, I think it's fair to say you, you have to go absolutely all in on the channel or you're, you're going to lose. So, okay. So this leaves me in an interesting conundrum. Like, is it possible for a newbie to rank in some of these things? I don't know for some weird thing it's it's interesting. Like like I remember when like Bitcoin and stuff was coming up. Mm. That was kind of a new field. And now it's probably like kind of entrenched again. But like for like best B2B software, it's probably gonna be the same results like over and over for the next ten years. I don't know, ten years, but like a long time. Is it possible for like a newbie to rank? Like what would you suggest for like a smaller or medium company that's like, well, I can't compete with Intuit, I can't compete with Zillow? Like what what do you what do you do? You, you could do a little market analysis of the, a lot of those people are generalists. It's kind of a going back to that and being positioned correctly. I think there probably are positioning exercises within a lot of these verticals where someone can stand out with the right positioning to be able to rank for those things. It'll still take you a long time, but if you can compete through that, you'll stand out eventually. And these are still companies that have products at the end of the day. So if your product is great to start, a lot of SEO can come out of that. So if you see weak products in the marketplace as well, which is like two sides, there's bottom funnel, which is effectively the product. And then there's top funnel, like what is copywriting? Mm -hmm. uh, you can often rank if you're a great product, 
just came, that's what Ahrefs did is downstream. Now they rank for everything content marketing. Uh, that's all. Sweet. Uh, so let's do uh, this last thing. This is going to be a lightning round. So these are one-minute timed answers, <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to time you. And uh, I gave these here so you can somewhat prepare because that's kind of a hard, uh, hard ask. And so I'm going to time you, and uh, I'll ask a question, start the timer, you go. Okay, so lightning round with uh, Ross Hudgens, owner of 110-plus person SEO company, Steve Media. <laughs> All right, so let's go. So uh, what is SEO? One minute. Uh, search engine optimization is a process of trying to get something ranking higher on Google. So the example I give my mom is if she Googles shoes, we help people uh, rank higher for shoes when you search that so you buy from them instead of someone else. Nice. All right. Next question. Uh, how can you rank something number one on Google? First, be an expert for that thing. So if you're 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 a chef and you want to rank for how to cook an egg, you need to start by being an expert. That's a pretty good starting point. Hopefully you have a website at the same time as saying that. Uh, you search for that search. You see what's on the search engine result page. If you see videos, that means you need a video. If you see uh, images, that means you need images. If you don't see either and you just see a listicle, that's a good uh, example that you might just need a list of the top things to do in Austin instead. So then do that in-depth research using your expertise to apply your specific function to it. Ideally, it's better than those other results based on your specific expertise. Put it in your, on your website. Make it look good. Uh, ideally better than the other results on that. Search in the result page. And then reach out to people that might link to that asset to get it. Um, covered. Hopefully it is the best thing for that search engine result page. And when people start linking to it, Google will see it as the most authoritative and you'll rank. Wow. That was actually pretty good. <laughs> I, I'm impressed. Wow. I, I thought I would like stump you with that one or something like that. Um, this is my job. Yeah. Okay. So uh, what are the best SEO tools that you use? Ahrefs is good for, if there's only one tool that I would pay for, it'd be Ahrefs. It's good for link uh, research, SEO research, PPC research as well. SEMrush is also great uh, for all of the, of the above. It's very comparable. Moz has a great link-only index. Majestic has a good link-only index. We use BuzzStream for the outreach and promotion side of, of SEO. I think that is important. We use Hunter.io for email finding as a piece of that. Uh, there are other great tools like ClearScope that will recommend common terms that occur, co-occur on search engine result pages to make sure you're talking about the best copywriting blogs. You have mentioned Neville or it would be a weird result. So that's the kind of thing that it picks up. Interesting. Um, and then I'm going to ask you, so instead of rank, we're just starting out because that's kind of like that other thing. I'm going to ask you, how would you start out like a personal brand like nowadays? So like, how would you sure. All right. So. How would you start a personal brand as a total newbie? You don't have anything, website, no nothing. What would you do? Get a job at a reputable company that does that thing first. So, for example, if you want to do SEO, you could get a job at Shopify and you'd immediately be seen as reputable for SEO because you work at Shopify. Uh, then go to uh, the most relevant social media networks and share information about that thing, whether it's video, video, or design, images, etc. That will give you credibility within the lens of that in-house job that you have. You'll build momentum and people following and liking your content by doing that through repetition on a weekly basis. Eventually, uh, you'll build some audience. You'll eventually be able to leverage that to quit your job, start a full-time thing with whatever it is, using that per previous expertise, compounds, 
you can leverage that to build a website, ranking for things, and now you can retire. Nice. <laughs> That's some pretty good answers. Uh, Ross Hudgens, thanks so much for joining. Uh, how can people find you and f- watch your stuff, listen to your stuff? Uh, yeah, just find, find me on Twitter, LinkedIn. That's where I, I'm doing my personal brand thing. And check us out on SiegeMedia.com. Nice. Do you have a YouTube channel? Yes. Y'all still post, y'all still post on that? Yes, we do. Yeah. YouTube Siege Media. Uh, and we're, we're posting relatively frequently, a little bit less, but we make, make sure. Shockingly underrated channel, by the way. Thank you. I think you'll have way less subscribers than you deserve. So also, Ross uh, Hudgens for Siege Media, thanks for joining. Appreciate thanks it. Thanks for having me. Yeah.